Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I am super excited to introduce my guest. He's a veteran actor, a member of the Actor Studio, a two-time Emmy Award winner. He's best known for his portrayal of Sonny Corinthos on General Hospital, which he's been a part of for over 30 years. Some of his film credits include Joy, Amer- Nightmare Cinema, The Ghost and the Whale, just to name a few. He even played John Gotti in Victoria Gotti's film, My Father's Daughter. He's an advocate for mental health awareness having shared his own bipolar disorder publicly on Oprah Winfrey. I want to welcome the extremely talented Maurice Bernard to the podcast. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. So first, I want to thank you. You know, I'm working on the show right now with you on General Hospital. And and I ran into you in the hallway and I said, you know, bro, I'd love to have you on my podcast. And you said, yes. So thank you for jumping on board. I know you're a busy man. I know how busy they keep you on that show. Well, yeah, lately it's been very busy. But, you know, I saw you on the TV, man. You you were good, bro. Oh, thank you, brother. I saw you in a scene, a couple, actually a couple scenes. You were very good. Yeah, I'm having fun. It's, you know, it's a fun show. It's been, uh. It's been challenging and we'll, we'll go, we'll go to that in a few minutes, but I want to, yeah. I want to start with you. You know, you know, I created this podcast to inspire young artists to follow their dreams. Like, you know, if a kid like me can come out to Hollywood at 18 with 200 bucks in my pocket, a one-way ticket, not knowing a soul out here and making the dream a reality, then why can't the listener out there? If a guy like you can, you know, have a dream to become an actor and be, you know, I mean, I don't know anybody who's been on television playing a character for as many years as you. I think you might have freaking broken a record there with, with, with Sonny Corinthos. But, you know, you, you know you're you nominated right now. You're nominated for an Emmy Award, right? Yeah, my fourth. Yeah, so, you you know, you're fourth in the Emmy Award. I mean, just, you made the dream a reality. So I want to know, like, you know, when did you know you wanted to be an actor? Well, when I first started acting, I was, got into modeling. And that was horrific for me because uh, I was short and everybody was taller, even the women. So, <laughs> you know, I thought I was good looking enough, but it doesn't matter. If you're short, it doesn't work. And. It, you got it's very specific and and from there I went I got into acting but only because I didn't succeed as a model I think if I would have succeeded as a model I wouldn't have been acting so I got into acting and then acting seemed to be even though I wasn't good in the beginning seemed to be in my blood to want to be great and just kept pursuing it and I knew that I want I, I was in acting class all the time Wanted to be just the better and better and better. And uh, that's how it started. So where'd you study? Just out of curiosity. I studied in San Francisco at the uh, uh, 
Drama Studio of London. I studied there. I studied privately with people. Uh, Anne Brebner. What can I forget the name of this? It was an acting acting school. It's great. All, all in San Francisco. And then what, what happened is somebody came. But, you know, a lot of stuff happened when I got into acting. Then had a nervous breakdown, was in a mental institution. A lot of stuff. But from San Francisco, I got all my children. So that was your first start, the first show? Yeah. So that's how you got your, your SAG and oh, back yeah. then it was after, right? Yeah, that's how it all began. So how old were you? 23 or 24. So you, you, you got kind of bit by the acting bug right after modeling and you studied your craft for, for a while, right? And, but you were still in San Francisco? Yeah, I studied, I studied, you know, that's all I did is study, but I didn't study for maybe, maybe about a year. And then I had a nervous breakdown and I was at a mental institution. When I escaped from the mental institution, I thought it was done. I thought I was done. But by the grace of God, I kept going, acting. And it worked out, man. Yeah, it sure has. So let's, can we talk about that a little bit, about the breakdown? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so, you know, you, you've been very public about your battles with bipolar disorder. At that time, when you were young, did you know what was going on with you? Were you diagnosed no. with bipolar? So this no, was. No, just... I just, I just talked about this. Right? Uh, I think on Twitter, I was put in a mental institution, and I didn't know what was wrong with me for over a month. They didn't know at that time. Nobody knew what manic depression was, even though Jimi Hendrix sang a song about it. <laughs> so. Here I was, tied down to a bed, my wrists, my ankles, my, my waist in a, in a, a room that they called uh, seclusion room. When you're a bad boy, they throw you in there. You don't take your pills or whatever. And I kept saying, what, is, what do I have? What is wrong with me? It's not drugs, not alcohol. And they just they didn't know. So for you as a young actor, I mean, this must have been some scary shit for you to be strapped down in a room and not knowing what's going on with you. I mean, how did you how did you get work your way through that? It, it was absolutely terrifying, especially for my mom and dad, who my dad would walk into the room and he'd be, you know, have tears in his eyes, not knowing what is going on with his son strapped down to a bed. I remember a story that I had. I I'm the, All I want to do is get off get out of the bed, you know, try to take the straps off or whatever. And there was a, there was a big latch on the, on the wall and it was metal. And I finally get to it and I lay back on my bed and I had thoughts of doing myself in on my wrist. And then I started to pray. And when I started to pray, I said, God, help me. I took the, the latch, broke it in half, made it into a cross, and put it by my bed. Wow. Yeah. So your, your faith has carried you? All the way. All the way. That's beautiful. Nobody. No. So now when you got out of the, the hospital, I mean, did you start auditioning? Did you get an agent? I mean, how did you, like, what were your yeah, steps? Yeah, when I got out of the hospital, I had eight months of 
depression that was horrific. And then it's a story. <laughs> I entered a contest before I got sick called The Most Watchable Man in San Francisco. It's like a, it's like a uh, Miss America for men. And I won. <laughs> then I got sick. And then after I got out of the hospital, about eight months later, they had the most watchable man in America. And I entered and I won. And my dad was, he was drinking, he was yelling, going crazy, like, like I just won an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after that, I started feeling good again, which is always false feeling good. And I stopped taking my medication and I had another breakdown, all God related, like six months later. And then uh, got through that one. Then about eight months later, I got all my children. So you've been battling this pretty much your whole life. Oh, yeah, man. It, well, I haven't been. OK, I, I've had three nervous breakdowns when you call them manic episodes. Uh, the third one was when I started General Hospital. I hadn't been taking my medication for about two years. So when I started General Hospital, three weeks into the gig, I had a breakdown. My third. I threatened to kill my wife, threatened to kill her nieces. It was not a good time. And she was going to call the cops. And if she had called the cops, it would have been done for me, I think. So that was the third one. And then, but since I've been on my medication, this is what people have to know. I haven't had a breakdown in over 30 years. I've been free. The thing that kills me now, I've had depression, is anxiety. That's what kills me now. But since the pandemic, which was a really hard time for me, uh, I have, I've been great, man, for over two years. Well, can we talk about that for a little bit? You know, anxiety, you know, it's it's funny because I came working on the show recently. I I, I was dealing, you know, I came on, I, you know, I have an acting school here in Manhattan Beach and I opened it up 10 years ago and I told my agent a long time ago, don't bother me. You know, I got my hands full here, man. I, I'm, I got a full slate. I don't have time to audition. I don't have no, no, just don't bother me. But, you know, every once in a while he'll reach out to me and say, hey, how about this? So, you know, he reached out to me I think it was like January uh, of this year, I, I wrote down my goals for the year, right? And I said, uh, one of them was to get back in front of the camera. And then literally like a couple of weeks go by and my agent calls me up and he says, hey, there's a role on General Hospital. And I was like, nah, you know, been there, done that. You know, I mean, I was on the show 20 years ago when, yeah. you know, well, you know, you they thought you were dead and I was coming up. I played Sonny, uh, I mean, uh, Sammy Tagliati coming over to Port Charles to try to take over your territory. And then I get, I get whacked by Carly. I mean, you know, yeah. but, you know, I've been there, done that. So I, I really pretty much was not interested. But he said, you know, it's like, you know, the same like it's three months. You should do it. Blah, 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 blah. So I said, you know what? What the fuck? Let me let me do it. Right. Let me let me just do it. Right. And but then I get on to the show and. um it's like a moving train over there for people who don't understand what, what, I mean, I got to say, you guys are some of the most talented actors, the actors that work on that show, because people don't understand the pressure cooker that you're in and the amount of pages and scripts that you have to shoot and produce. And, you know, it's like, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, 
And it's a friggin' moving train. So for an actor like me that hasn't been in front of the camera for a, a long time, years, you know, eight years, it was like, okay, now you got to get thrown onto the train and you don't want to stall the train. I mean, I remember the first day I got there, the stage manager pretty much warned me. He said, you better be prepared because, you know, if you don't know your lines, whatever, you're out of here. So I mean, it was like, it wasn't the warmest welcome uh, <laughs> coming onto the show, right? And then, you know, the other actors, you know, it was, you know, they still have the COVID protocol. So everybody's in their mask and, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't, I didn't, it wasn't warm and fuzzy, you know, it was, yeah, no, yeah. it felt very cold and you're in your little cubicle, you know, your little jail cell, you know, and, and I got to tell you, no, no offense, but some of those dressing rooms in that, in that, in that place, you know, uh, they're, they're kind of scary, you know, and yeah, you're yeah. sitting in there and you really can't like kind of mingle, you know, you got your mask on, you know, it's like very, you know, it's just cold. And then, then you hear, you know, okay, we want you up, you know, a, a voice from the sky saying, okay, on stage, we need you for a scene. You get up there and it's like, there's no rehearsals really. I mean, it's like, there's, it's like five, four, three, two go. And that could give you some anxiety, you know? So I know I was feeling like the first few days there, I was feeling anxiety man i'd be backstage and i feel be, my heart be pounding i my mouth was dry and i'm like what the fuck is, you know i've been doing this for years man what's going on with me right now like i was feeling this thing and i i actually knocked on your dressing room door and i said hey man i need to talk to you for a second because i know you've dealt with it and and, and i asked you some advice and you know i was like well, this is weird you know so can we talk about that uh, you know dealing with anxiety i mean especially being on a high profile show, being a star of this show. I mean, I came on, I'm, you know, I got a few lines here and there, but you would get pages and pages of material. Yeah. It's a uh, anxiety. You know, it's funny, man. I just went to, and I have to talk about this, even though, you know, they should be sponsoring me, but they kind of are, but not enough. I went to New York to do the view Tamron hall nightline, a bunch of shows, right. Just about three weeks ago. And it was the first time that I flew. I've been, I've gotten off two planes. Literally open the doors. I'm out. No, we can't open the doors. So, but I haven't, I've, I've always flown with my wife. And this is the first time that I flew without my wife. So I get on the, it was first class big and the whole thing. I get on the, and once I sat, I call it Freddy Krueger came and it was bad. It was as bad as, as any time I've gotten off the plane. And, the, and my mind was telling me, get off, get off the freaking plane, get off the freaking plane, panic attack. You don't have your wife, get off. So I try to grab what I tell people to do, distract your mind, grab something, music, whatever you got to do get out of that. Nothing was really helping. There's this thing called Comigo, C-A-L-M-I-G-O, that I had my wife get me, try it out. I've never tried it out. So I'm in this panic. I grab it. It's like an inhaler for asthma. And you breathe. There's a light. You breathe. You breathe. Billy, gone. Really? Wow. I'm talking like gone. That's never, I've had so much anxiety, I can't tell you. Usually when your anxiety gets better, slowly gets better, 
it gets a little better. No, done from 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 dark to light. I started crying on the plane, like because I couldn't believe that it, that I did not have that feeling. It was like, wow, that's amazing. So if you if you think about you know if you ever want something that worked for me, I don't know if it's going to work for everybody, but. If it worked for me, because usually nothing works in that moment, you have things to work eventually, right? But uh, it worked. So now I can get on a plane and know that that's my backup. Do you still, you know, to this day, I mean, you've been doing the soap for how many years now? Uh, over 30. 30 years. So do you still deal with, you know, nerves and anxiety when you, you get, you have to, you know, perform? Yeah, because I've had bad, listen, man, during the pandemic, I was ready to, I was, had visions every day, every morning of putting a rope around a tree. That was me for four months. I'm not joking. Was it because uh, you weren't? It was panic, anxiety. I, I, you know, I was told that I wasn't going to be able to promote my book. I was told I'm, the, the shows shut down. I was, it's the end of the world. My mom and dad moved out all at once, hit me. I felt a rush. And that night I was shaking like a leaf. Like I, I, that's never happened to me. Like I couldn't stop shaking. And from the next four months, I was telling myself, I can't go on like this. So I didn't go to work at that time, but I but I did go to work right after that, which was the kind of tail end, but still not 100 percent. And I ended up winning two Emmys after that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you can go through. Listen, man, what I tell people is you can when you go when we're in this, I hate to say it, state of mind where you feel you can't go on. The reality is. Like my wife says, honey, you've said you can't go on a hundred times. You've gone on. Yeah. It's a great reminder. Yeah. But I have acted with anxiety. I have acted. Look, some days are better than other days. Like some days I'm a little more nervous than I I would like to be. Some days I'm, I feel like I'm King Kong. It's just kind of natural. And do you have any techniques that you use, you know, breathing or some other techniques that you use to help you deal with that? Yeah, I have a breathing that I, I, I think I told you, the breathing four, hold it in seven, let it out eight, eight seconds, four, seven, eight. That's kind of been really good for me. A lot of it is what, what, where your thoughts are at and, and, and don't let those negative thoughts come into your, uh, your mind. Yeah, you got to guard the gates. You really do. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, what helped me was when I was backstage and I was getting into my head. You know, all it is is noise. It's fear. It's like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to think? Who people, blah, 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 blah. It's a bunch of noise. You know, this is creeping in. And I had to remind myself that, you know, it's about play. You know, it's like, I, you know, I had to remind myself of the little boy who wanted to be an actor that, you know, just jump around and, you know, sing Peter Pan, Peter Pan, who are you, Peter Pan? You know, you know, you know yeah. playing around, you know, that, that little kid, that little boy, I had to, I had to bring myself, 
because all it is, is that little voice, which I, I say, I call him little Billy, you know, little Billy had a rough life. He's had a lot of abuse, a lot of bad shit happened to him. So he's the one who wants to creep up in there and tell me to fear or, you know, the noise. And I literally have to pull him out of the driver's seat and go, look, I love you, little Billy, but you can't drive, (laughs) you know, the bus of my life, you know, the God within me, the light within me, that's who's driving. Right. And, and, and to get into play and know that it's not me, right. It's the character. It's Watkins and stay, stay in play with Watkins. And then it, it kind of, that little voice goes away because then it's not me anymore. Yeah. It's the character to be able to drop into the character has helped me. That does help. I, I played John Gotti and in a lifetime thing that Victoria Gotti wrote. And, you know, the executive producer hated my guts and that has never happened to me. And I knew she did. And then I, I go, it was confirmed. She did. And cause she wanted me to play John Gotti like Sopranos. And I didn't, I didn't see it that way. And I only had two days to prepare. What? <laughs> two yeah. days. Saturday, they call, they got the, you got the role, you're flying Monday. That's crazy. So I remember the first day, they're all there, the executives, Victoria, everybody, the director. In the rehearsal, on my side of it, no, their side, their, their close-ups and all that. You, I sucked. I couldn't get it. And you talk about anxiety, Billy. I'm like, fuck. Thank God that they went to lunch. And I went down. My wife got me through it. Like she always, I said, honey, get me on a plane. Get me out of here. I don't want to do this. Get me out of here. She goes, honey, honey, just run it, just run it, just run it, just run it, just run it. So it started getting better. And then I talked to Victoria Gotti and she says, what's going on? I said, Victoria, you know, that, that producer don't like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But she said, she want, what does she want? She said, she wants you to, she wants me to play like Sopranos. She goes, no, my father did not like the Sopranos. You playing like Michael Corleone in The Godfather. So I went, oh. so, but let me tell you, Billy, that was cool, but every day I had to deal with this producer. So you know what I did? I said, okay, I'm not going to be John Gotti because I don't have the time to prepare. I would have gained weight. I would have heard his voice more or whatever. So I'll just be somebody else. So I used the rage and pain that this producer was giving me to become this character. And sure enough, man, Every time I'd see her, I'd look at her, she'd look away. She felt that energy. So I just stayed in this kind of this kind of thing, finished the job, very successful, rate, great ratings, everything worked, blah, 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 blah. So, but it was very difficult to deal with that. Cause I've never experienced someone not liking me. And it was not good. Yeah, well, I saw it and I thought you were awesome in it. Thanks, man. Yeah, hey, I mean, great work. I mean, you're 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 fucking talented. Excuse my friend, you're a talented actor, man. I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I've seen you know with some of your work, the, the stuff that you've done. 
is is amazing. And I love well, like you take your truth, what's going on, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and and give it to the character. I mean, I, I yeah. really I love what you've done with Sonny Corinthos. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of your truth is being poured into this character. Right? All I mean, my truth being poured in. And the reality is because Sonny's bipolar. It's but I love incredible. That. Yeah. He, he, Whose uh, idea was that? I mean, not mine. Not okay. mine. It was the writers, but I said I okayed it. But it's been fantastic for acting, but not good for my mental health. Got it. Yeah. You're a method actor. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's tough. I know. I'm I mean, a method I think now I, you have to understand, Billy, when you did the show before, we had more time and there was more takes. and But the difference is the, the each scene in the past, 10, 15 years ago, was like six, seven pages. Now we only do two, three little pages. So it suits me for my my health now better, but back then it was just richer and deeper. But it was hard, man, because you I was always tired, right? Because I worked more and I and the dialogue was more and the pages were more. So it's give and take, but I think I've learned now at sixty years old to not take it so seriously. Hmm. That's that's a great advice. Yeah. Don't take it so seriously, you know, no. because, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, as a young actor, I know me, too. I mean, I, so serious about the everything is serious, 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 you know, way too intense. And, it, you know, when you can when you can let go of that and, and play a little more and have more fun with it. Yeah. You know, or not be so stressed out. And, you know, yeah. that's where the magic happens, because if you free up your instrument. But see, something that, that I've been talking about a lot on, on my show, State of Mind, is, and this has been the biggest deal for me that I've learned, I think, my whole life. I grew up, I think there's a correlation between caring what people think and mental illness. I've cared my way too much what people think, plus my ego. So when you got an ego... And you care a lot what people think. Oh, it's deadly. Mm. You can never be comfortable. Actually, that just that was kind of cool. I just came out. You can you can never be comfortable when you have both of those. So what what has happened to me since the pandemic is I've chipped away at both. And let me tell you something: when you don't care what people think, you fly. You fly in your life. And in your acting, it's it's so amazing to me. But the, the way you 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 do, you know, you got to figure out how to do it. It's a lot of, you know, you're, we already talked about it. But you have to find. I used to think that by getting things made me happy, right? When I win an Emmy, if I New York Times bestseller in my book, oh man, oh man. But that's false happiness because then it goes away, and you're back to the ugliness when you find peace within you don't need anything yeah. i'm just happy right now with you boom happy as hell well that's the beauty I, of it i don't feel anything right it's good we're having a great conversation that's the beauty but that's not the way i was man well no, i hear you i mean i'm we're, I, 
I, I had to battle my ego, you know, I mean, like I got a school, man. And, you know, I opened the school 10 years ago and, and I, I was at the worst place of my life when the, I got a, a calling to open up the school. You know, my wife was, uh, we, we, we had a miscarriage. We lost a baby. My wife uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. I lost my 11 year old niece to brain cancer. I lost my stepfather to prostate cancer. My, my dog got hit by a car and died. I, I tore my, my rotator cuff. I mean, this happened in like one year period, but I was, I was knocked down so bad and I was battling with depression and I was dealing with all this stuff. I couldn't work because I was in a sling, you know, it was like, I felt like Jake LaMotta getting pummeled yeah. on the ropes, you know, just yeah. getting pummeled. And then I, you know, I was in church and I was on my knees and I was, you know, I, I got a, a little voice saying, <laughs> You know, you need to open up. I I, I heard uh, the the priest say something about time, talent, treasure. How are you sharing your time, your talent, and your treasure? And and I and I went, I'm not. It's been about me. It's been about ego, me, 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 me. And I got a calling, and it was like you got to open up an acting school. And my ego was like, what? No yeah. way. You're going to open up an acting school. You, you know, the voice was like, you know, who opens up an acting school actors that never made it out of work. Actors. <laughs> My ego was selling me all this noise. Right. But I had to battle that voice and say, no, I want to be of service. I want to be able to make a difference. I wish there was somebody like me when I came out to Hollywood that could have helped me, you know, pointed me yeah. in that direction. You know, I've been doing this shit for a long, long time, man. I've, I know where the potholes are, man. I know, you know, don't go down that road because that's a, that road you're going to get in trouble down there. So, you know, I, it's about being the guide and it's truly been a, a blessing, you know, to get let go of the ego, to let go yeah. of what other people are going to think of me. Because I used yes. to worry about that all the time. What are they going to think? What are they going to think? What are they, you know what? Who gives a f what they think? You know, you do you. You got one life, right? Yeah. And 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 live it, and and live it, and be in the moment, and be present, and and enjoy the most the most important things is what you have. Is 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 you have a beautiful wife, you have beautiful yeah. children, you have a beautiful yeah. life. That's what it's important. Yeah. All that other exactly. stuff doesn't, doesn't make you happy. You know, I used to think all that material stuff makes me happy. I mean, I was in New York producing a film in 2000, you know, I was a producer. I had the loft and Soho, blah, 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 the, the, everything you could possibly imagine. I was a star, you know, I, I had the money, you know, the whole thing. I had this big ass loft and I was literally looking out my window going, I felt like jumping out the fucking window yeah. because I was in this big ass loft and I was lonely. There you go. You know, I was by myself, you know, I, I let go of a girl that I was dating because I had blinders on about success and Hollywood and all this stuff. You know, luckily for me, two years later, when I came back from New York, she still loved me and we got back together and she's the mother of my son yeah. and I, and I have the life and I have a beautiful wife and a beautiful son. But what I really got was all of that chasing that stuff does not make you happy. No. I, I used to think this career as an actor was going to make me happy. It was going to fill a hole yeah. that I had. You know, I needed I needed to be loved, man. I didn't have that. So I thought, you know, when I was a little boy, I got a little acting or whatever. And I got a little pat on my back. I would do a little Elvis Presley routine and people would give me a slice of fucking bologna. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever it was, it was like, I, that was like, I got a little love, man. You know, I got a little something for my entertaining. And that's how I felt love. So that I chased that. I chased it in the streets, you know, I chased it and, you know, my whole life, but I thought acting would make me 
feel loved. But you know, then I had the fame and I had the TV show and stuff. And I was like, yeah. is this it? Is this it? Yeah. And the sooner you figure that out, the better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why if you're going to get into this business and you got to do it, you got to do it because you're passionate about it. You love this, you love yeah. the craft and, and it's really, you know, your heart's into it. You got to, you can't do it to be rich and famous, man. You got to no. do it because you love it. Well, for me, I, I did want to be the greatest actor, but the ego then said, that's not enough. Now you want to win Emmys. Now you want to write a book. Now, you, which is nothing wrong with that, as long as your head's in the right place. And, you know, so now I don't really care about much because <laughs> I found some happiness inside of me and I'm good and I'm at peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so if you could give some advice, right, to somebody dealing with, you know, what you're dealing with, bipolar, uh, what would that be? Uh, figure it out. Uh, find out your, if there, you're going to have triggers and you're going to know that something's off. Get help right away. Now, my, my advice is to, the way you don't get anxiety or a manic episode or depression is you prevent it from happening. So you do all the right things that you need to do. Meditate, yoga, eat right, uh, whatever it is, take medication. Uh, so it doesn't happen. I think with me, what has happened in the past is I thought I was doing the right things, also therapy and all that, but I wasn't. And then it would hit me. So it's my fault. But if you do the right things, like right now, it's been two and a half years since the pandemic that I've been free of everything pretty much. Why? Because I'm just doing it the way it's supposed to be done. And if there's a trigger, it, for instance, if they say to me, do you want to do this movie while you're doing GH, while you're doing State of Mind, while you're doing this, why are you doing that? And I don't think I should, I won't do it. Whereas before I couldn't say no. Hmm. That trigger. Because the ego, right, Billy? The ego says, how can you turn it down? You can't do it. You can't turn it down. Yeah, I can. Because the health is more important. My health is more important. Can we talk about State of Mind, your podcast? Yeah. State of Mind started one night because... Uh, I, was, I had an anxiety attack at night. Woke up. I filmed it. No lie. As I filmed it, I'm watching Steve Harvey on TV talk about, can you believe these guys on social media? All they do is film themselves. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I actually laughed. Next morning, I called my friend. I said, you know, this is what happened. She goes, why don't you film yourself on the phone? Put it up on Instagram story. I said, Melissa, no one's going to care. Who cares? Just do it. So I did it. She goes, well, put it up on Sunday. I said, nobody watches on Sunday. Just do it. So I did. And I got a, a, a pretty damn big following. And so I kept doing it every Sunday, like church. I'd go on my phone and talk about my life with mental illness. Then I got the book deal and I started talking about promoting the book at the same time. So I did that for a year. Then the pandemic during the pandemic, 
And it was in my car. And then somebody said, every time somebody tells me to do something, I always say, no, I don't know how you are, Billy, but I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. So somebody said, you should go on YouTube. I don't want to do YouTube. I want Instagram. And, and Billy, I don't know if you know, but who, who talks for eight minutes on Instagram story? That's, you don't do that. No. But I did it for like every week. So I, mean, I don't want to do YouTube. Then I did YouTube. Once I started interviewing people, they didn't want me talking by myself anymore. Uh, which is all right. And uh, I've been doing it for now two years. And I'm so proud of this show, man. It's become something. And the vibe is always just intimate, personal. And I'm, I love it. And it helps people. What else can I, what else can you want? I love it. And you got behind you, you have that the YouTube plaque there that you got a yeah. nice little plaque. What's that for? You know, that's uh, once you get 100,000 subscri subscribers, it's, it's they call it the milestone. They give you that plaque. And then the next plaque is a million. And then the next plaque is 10 million. Like then Joe Rogan has 10 million. And it, it's, you know, it, for me, it was a lot of hard work. And believe it or not, this is just a technical thing. It's the soap opera people that get all the subscriptions. I've had people with millions. I had one guy with 7 million followers on Facebook. It doesn't matter. It's amazing. You know anything about that, Billy? Is that no, because I, it's my, my core audience? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm have listened. I, I just started a YouTube channel where this kind of uh, the video element lives, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to get 500 followers. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. I'm just, you know, starting out. I'm trying to, you know, I figure out how to grow it because I mean, I've had amazing guests like yourself. I mean, Academy Award winners, Golden Globe, Emmy Award winners, you know, it's, it's a re it's like, I got 79 episodes of like gold for anybody, any dreamer. It's just, yeah. you know, there's so much great stuff, but I'm not sure quite how to get it out there. You know, this is all new to me. Yeah, I've, because I've done now a lot of research and I finally got what I wanted, but it's basically, you have to hit like every movie you've done, that audience and get those people. And then they have to promote. If they don't promote, you're not getting it. So with me, the soap people, they don't even need to promote and it, it gets a lot, right? But like with the, I got Frank Grillo was on, movie star Stephen A. Smith. They have to promote on their end and it's still not that great, but it's better if they promote. That's the way mm -hmm. it is. Now you've had some great guests. I, I listened to the Grillo interview. It was, it was yeah. an awesome interview. That was cool. Yeah, he was very cool. I'll kick his ass though, but it's all right. <laughs> So if you could go back and give yourself some, you know, the little you, some life advice, what would it be? Start working on not caring what people think. Hmm. I swear to you, that is, that is, that killed me my whole life. Now that I look back, it just, it just, it, 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 it's so, it really stifles you and go for what you believe, right? Obviously for you and you, if you got to like when I first started acting, my acting was not good, but, there was something in my heart and my, in my gut that I felt strongly and I just kept going. What year? What year did you come out here? Oh, boy. 30 years ago. Oh, no, no, no. 32 years ago. 
32? What year? What, what year was I it? No, I don't know about years. <laughs> yeah. Because I came out here December 15th, 1984. I just turned 18. I had 200 bucks in my pocket and I came out here. And I, and I, you know, I've been out here ever since. <laughs> I've been. Yeah, but you, you broke know. into movies and stuff, man. That's even harder uh, back then. You were, that was, that was a, an accomplishment. Yeah. Because I, I remember, I remember I used to go on an audition and when you were there, I said, uh, I'm not getting this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Somebody else. <laughs> Somebody else told me that too the other day, you know, but I used to, I used to love to know that. Like I, when I, you know, in the lobby, I, I, I'd see people, I walk into the lobby and they see me and they put their head down and they were like, oh, yeah. Man. I'm like, but you were, it. you, you were probably relaxed at auditioning. Yeah, I was I, early on. I had some, like, I didn't care about nothing, man. I was like, yeah. I didn't give a shit about anything. I had some big, Balls, <laughs> and I was like, I, I you know, but I'm, Billy, isn't that not caring what people think? Yeah, you got it. I was like, I, I my attitude was, you're welcome. Exactly. <laughs> I just did you a favor. After you see me, you can tell all these other guys to go home because you know I am the That's character. Right. You know, see, I mean, mine I, was the mine was the opposite. Mine was, I'm so scared. I hope you don't see it. Yeah, I hope you like me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please, please like me. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I don't forget my lines. Right, you know? exactly. So, yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's a different, but you know, that's what I teach my actors here at the studio. I tell them all the time. I said, you cannot go into a room with, you know, oh, please, I hope you like me. You can't, you got to go in and I, you know, I, I'm here to, this audition, I'm here to play. I've made, a, created a character. I've made some big choices. I got the wardrobe on. I got the fucking accent. I got that one. I know where I'm coming from. I know where I'm going. I got secrets. I got animal exercise. I'm, I'm yeah. playing. I've, I've loaded this character up so much. I've made some big, bold, strong choices. And now it's playtime. And it's not even yeah. me, the actor, coming into audition. It's me, the character, in the given circumstance, ground myself in that world and free myself up because now there's nobody there. They don't even exist. Right. The casting people don't exist. It's they're, they're, they're peeking into my world. You know, it's almost like a private moment exercise. I'm there, but I'm not there. I'm not an actor in an audition. I'm a character in a given circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm playing in that world, you know, and, and I would love to incorporate them. Let's say I'm playing a, a scene where I'm being interrogated by, you know, the, the couple of detectives. I'll know who the director is. I'll know who the producer is. I'll bring them right into the scene, man. I'll, I I look right. I bring I bring them right in. So they're not on the outside looking in. Now they're characters in the thing, and I'm looking them right in. Now it's on camera, man. What? Now it's on camera. I know. Now it's different. But you know the the self tape. You know, and, and let's talk about that a little thing. It's changed drastically because back in the day we'd have to walk into the room, and and now there's this whole self tape thing. You know. Well, you know, I don't even audition, so I don't, I don't, I don't care about really working outside of the GH, but. My son is a badass actor, man. He's uh, he started at thirteen. And How old is he now? He's eighteen, and he came to me at thirteen and said, "I want to be." I said, "No, no, no, Joshua, you know." He goes, "He's never talked to me about acting." He goes, "I want to be an actor." I said, "No, no, no, no." So I said, "You know what I've been through? Mental institution, this and that. What do you mean you want to be an actor?" He goes, "Just give me a chance." I said, "All right, I'm going to teach you as much as I can in a month." See how hard you work and see what happens. So a uh, month comes in, comes into my, my room, 
I'm on my bed. He says, Dad, can I do a monologue for you? Does the monologue, Billy, I'm not joking. Halfway through, I said, oh, he's the next James Dean. Hmm. And he ended the monologue. I couldn't, I didn't know what to say. I, I, how does a 13-year-old with a month experience of <laughs> do what he just did? Okay, so then he pursued that. Now he's, now he's an actor and a musician. He's got producers and stuff. But he did a show called The Rehearsal with Nathan Fielder, which is on HBO. And he was incredible. As a matter of fact, I'd love him to go to your class, bro. Anytime. But where's your class, man? I'm in Manhattan Beach. Ah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little hike. Where are you? Studio City, man. Oh, it's not that bad. How many, how long is it? I have actors from Studio City come all the time. It's a 45-minute ride, you know, depending on traffic or time. Or you find a time he can come here and work privately with me. Yeah, I'd love him to, man, because, you know, he's, he's had bad. I'm the best teacher he's had, but he's had bad teachers. And oh, yeah. you would be great, but I'd like him to get in a class. No. I, I get actors from Hollywood all the time. You know, I, I got a reputation now. Like if you got a big audition for a pilot or something like that, you want to coach with me. Agents are calling me up left arm because they're booking jobs. You know, they, you know, I put them on tape, I coach them, I shoot them, and they're landing the role. So my the name has gotten out like, oh, yeah, well, you better go coach with Billy. And, really? Yeah. So well, now. How, how, when's your class? Well, I have, he's 18. So, you know, he may fit into my adult class. My, my adult class is uh, Monday nights from 7 to 1030. Monday from 7. He, oh, no, he's, yeah, he's a real, he's an actor, bro. He's. He's like me, but diff, little different. But well, like the me. apple doesn't fall far from the tree, man. I, he's got... I guess, Billy, but I never imagined that I thought to be great, you had to have been through stuff. But he was 13 and he's 18, hasn't been through anything really, mm -hmm. but he has the depth. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, from the, the school that we grow up in, you know, being method actors, you know, you want to use your stuff, you know, your shit, yeah. your pain, you know, you got to have yeah. that, your actor toolbox, you know, and play with all those emotions and the childhood and the pain and this and that and that. But, you know, I work with actors all the time that they don't have any of that stuff, you know, they don't, they, they have, their life has and been good, good, you know, and they're good. And, and yeah, I just... You know, we, we go to the imaginary what if, you know, really load up the imagination, you know, but it's, as long as it's tied to something real that they love, their soul, right, uh, uh, somebody who they love, they let their imagination go there. I can get them anywhere they want because they're using their imagination. You know, the mind doesn't know the difference between a, a real event or imagined event if you really, truly go there sensorily through all your, you know, senses that it'll feed you emotionally, it'll fuel you. So when I work with my young actors, that's how I approach the craft with them because they don't have all that. You know, I'm a method. I want you to use your truth. What do you got? Yeah. Who does this character become because you're playing this character? What part right. of your soul can you leave behind? Because right. if you play that game and you leave your soul, a piece of your soul behind, casting directors will feel you yeah. because you're not playing it safe. You're not just saying the words on the page. You're leaving a piece of your soul behind and they feel you. And that's when they become a fan of your work. And then you get a couple of casting directors that become a fan of your work. Then they keep bringing you back in. And then it's just a numbers game before you land that role because you're playing the big game. Yeah. It's all, it's yeah. all about relationships. You know, you get, you get a few casting directors that really think you're a talented actor and keep bringing you in. You're going to work.
No, I agree with him. You know what? Maybe, uh, maybe I can do that for him like once a week. Take him out there. Yeah, you let me know. I'd love for you to come down to the studio, man. It'd be great. You'd love it here. All right. You know, it's, a, it's a full functioning life. studio. You know, I mean, I, I build sets. I build demo reels. I get, you know, whatever an actor needs, you know, I want to be able to yeah. supply it for them. So, you know, I got a photo studio. I got, I got roll away walls. I build sets, lights, cameras, the whole thing. You know, you can shoot a movie in here. That you know, it, it, amazing. Yeah. I, so I, I can probably do it. I could probably do it. All right. I'm into it. All right. Cool. What's next? You got anything in the works? Nothing. You know, I, I, I'm so busy with state of mind and then I may be doing a tequila thing, a, a sponsored tequila thing. Appearances in New York, like 15 of them coming up. Um, wow. Canada and stuff. But, every, you know, it's always just busy, but it's, a, it's good. It's all good. I got a question for you. You've worked with so many talented actors, right? Who are some yeah. of your favorite actors you've worked with? Well, I worked with Mickey Rourke because in Nightmare Cinema, and I looked up to him when I was young. Of course, Pope of Greenwich Village. Yeah, all that. He was yeah. phenomenal. and uh, I was a bit intimidated, but before I worked with him, I, he, didn't, he didn't want to rehearse with me for whatever reason. And... <laughs> and uh, Finally gets on the set. He's a big dude. Yeah. And so I said that I played a priest. So I said in my head, when he looks to my eyes, he'll see the truth. And that's all I can, you know, as, as nervous as I was, that's what I had. So we did the scene. And at first he didn't talk to me at all. Then when the scene ended, he was very nice to me. Very nice. To me. So that was that. He's a method actor too. So. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's, you know, when you work with method actors, you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> I mean, I tell you a funny, a funny story is I, I ran into, uh, I was at a pizzeria in Studio City and, and I ran into Danny Trejo oh, and, yeah. and, and Danny was, uh, you know, at the pizzeria. So I walked over and I introduced myself to him and I said, Hey man, I'm a fan of your work. You know, I'm an actor too. I said, well, you know, one of, one of these days we're going to work together. And he looked at me like, yeah, okay, sure. Right. So six months later, I walk into a table reading and I'm, I'm, I'm opposite. I'm starring in a film opposite Danny Trejo. And I look at him, I go, remember me? And he looks and I go, six months ago, I told you we're, we're going to be working together. Wow. And then that's the last thing I ever said to him because my character hated him in this movie. I play an LAPD officer gang unit and his, he, you know, he was responsible for my mother dying. So I just, did not say a word to him the whole time. I mad dogged him every time I, I got a chance. <laughs> you know, that was <laughs> because I'm not gonna be able to eat you know donuts with you at craft services. I'm 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 gonna stay in character. My character don't like you. I'm not gonna be all chummy with you. And then yeah. afterwards, you know, at the rap party, you know, I, we can be friends again, but during the movie, I don't want to know you. Was he cool at the rap party? Yeah, it was cool. It was like, who is this guy? You know, now I'm trying to be like, you know, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not the character anymore. Right, right. Have you ever gotten lost in a character? Well, I did my, we produced a movie called Ghost of the Whale. And um, again, my character's bipolar. And that was a very, the, I was hearing voices in the middle of the night. That was kind of not good. And then I'm supposed to do this this monologue, seven or eight pages, where he's having a manic episode. And I finished the monologue, and the I thought I'm I'm Al Pacino, man. I'm I'm Al Pacino. 
the directors come out and said, uh, I said, what? I said, I finished the five, eight, eight pages, whatever, seven pages. Uh, let, let me, you need to talk to your wife. She was a producer. <laughs> so my wife sits down with me and says, I said, baby, I can't do better than that. She goes, honey, it wasn't good. <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean it wasn't good? She goes, it just wasn't, you didn't, you didn't believe you were manic. It was kind of not enough. I said, well, okay, it's not enough, but here's the deal, baby. How do you know that because I give you more that I'm not going to be able to cross back over to reality? So you want me to go further? She goes, you won't do that. I said, how do you know? And she said, because you're stronger than you know. Mm. So I did the monologue. <laughs> Big. Hey, fucker. God, God, God. And I saw both the next day in dailies. And they were absolutely right. The first one I did was boring. <laughs> so, you know. But I was lost in that guy, for sure. And I get lost in Sonny, but like I got, I'm nominated right now for no, another thing. And then it was a bipolar storyline that they did a real great job on the soap writing it. And I was in it, man. I mean, I wasn't going to lose my stuff, but it, I was in it. Good luck. Yeah, thanks, man. I gotta tell you, man, I, I think you're a wonderful actor. I, I love watching you. I've been, you know, I, I peeked in on the show. I mean, I don't like to watch my stuff, but I peeked in and I watch you. I, I fast forward to your stuff, you know? <laughs> I thought you were really good. I gotta be honest. Yeah. And you didn't even have more than a couple lines. And you just, and I'm not joking just because I'm on the show. It doesn't matter to me. You were just like present and your eyes there's a lot going on in your eyes, and that's that's a lot for a soap opera. Uh, you know, I, I like once again, I give those actors so much props. I mean, they're so talented. I mean, they can turn it on. I was I was working with the actress that plays uh, Finola, the yeah. play Anna. Yeah, man, she like we're like between takes, right? We're talking a little bit, and then boom, five, four, three, two, one, boom, the tears are in her eyes, they're rolling down. I know. I'm like. Holy shit, how did she do that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, these actresses have some serious acting chops. They got like a button, like they can hit and <laughs> freaking emotions come rolling, man. Yeah, I don't do that, Billy. I'm not like that. I, I had, you know, my shit has to come from, it's just got to be truthful. I can't turn it on. I can't, that, that I can't do. Well, I saw, I saw a couple of episodes where, you, you know, they were, Recently, and you had the tears coming down. I know, and I know that's, and I know that said is, you know, it's like five, four, three, two, go ahead, do what you got to do. Yeah. That's, that's not easy unless they're coming around with mental blowers and blowing in actors' eyes or something like that that I don't know about. But, you know, even when I was doing General Hospital back in the day, I mean, I, I worked with uh, the actress that played Carly, um, was it Tamara, was it Tamara? Yeah, Tamara. Yeah, Tamara, I mean, she she blowed me away, too. Like, I could see her, like, boom, all of a sudden, she's talking, and then five, four, three, two, one, tears are rolling down the face. And I'm like... She had a lot of vulnerability. 
and and that's what's amazing. I mean, to be able to to be vulnerable. You know, I tell my actors all the time, your vulnerability is your strength, man. Yeah. You know, to be able to be expose your truth to to be acting is like being naked, man. You got to yeah. be able to just expose your soul and go, this is me, this is my shit. You know, hand it over to a character and expose it to a character. But that's why I think, you know, your work is so great is that you you really you're you're exposing your truth. Through, yeah. through a character and, and, and anybody watching it can feel it because you're not acting. No. You're being truthful. Right. And I think I've that's tried, what I've, I've tried to do my whole career, but it's now it's even more. I think that's the, that's what Marlon Brando did. He didn't do anything that he didn't feel. And that's what made him who he is. And I don't care. Like I was talking about this with somebody else. There was a movie called the, uh, Fugitive kind. Mm -hmm. And they hated each other, Anna Magnani and him. You could tell in the movie. And he had a monologue where he was supposed to, you know, do it to her. He never looked at her. And it was like, he don't care. I couldn't do that before. That was the difference between me now. Now I don't do anything. I don't. It's not in my gut authentic. I just won't do it. That's what I've learned over the years. What do you think about that, Billy? Well, I, you know, I've noticed your style. Like, I, you know, I, I kind of analyze your style, like what you're doing, because, you know, you do a lot of like real behavior, like, you know, a lot of actors yeah. are stiff, but, you know, you, you, you know, you like, you'll touch your face or you'll, there's some, some like real like behavior, like, you know, most actors when they're in front of the camera, oh, I'm not going to touch my face. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm going to stand there and eyeball the other actor, you know, stare at them. I'm, you know, <laughs> but you know, you have a lot of natural, really natural behavior, which I think is. Really I look cool. down a lot, man. Yeah. But that's, yeah. But I think that's great. You know, that's some real shit. Like people don't look, eyeball each other, you know, like stare at each other, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's a challenge, you know, working on a show is a challenge for me, too, because, you know, I was working with an actor, um, you know, the actor that plays Victor, and he's yeah. playing the villain, you know, yeah. he's doing. Boo -hoo -hoo -ha -ha -ha. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, for me coming on, you know, uh, you know, like I'll hand him a gun and all of a sudden he'll look at the gun and he'll like, you know, like, oh, ha -ho -ho -ho, and he put the gun away. And I mean, it was just some of the, it was like to me, it was like. It was it was fake, you know. Some yeah, of this, yeah. the, like, who does that, right? But I I had to like really kind of like kind of bite my cheek. You know? <laughs> so you know, there's a there's a there's a style very. It's a style uh, of acting which is which is different from kind of you know where I kind of you know. I mean, I've been you know I did sitcoms, you know, I did you know one hour you know dramas, I did feature you know movies and stuff like that. But there's a very specific style to working on, on, on a daytime show. And you, you've mastered it, man. <laughs> I mean, you got this just such a natural thing that you do that I, that I love watching it. Yeah, but Billy, they, they, I had to fight for that style because they were trying to get me to talk louder and stuff. And I, I, would, I would fight them tooth and nail. I'm not doing it. And and because of that, I'm able to do this kind of stuff. And I'm one of the only actors, maybe there's a few other ones, that they just leave alone. Because with me, if you come to me with a direction, you better know what you're talking about. 
And I'll do anything, Billy. I'll do anything. But if it's stupid, if it's a stupid direction, I'm going to have to tell you. Doesn't, that's not, what do you, what, why? Well, well, why would I, doesn't, what, what? So, but I've had to fight hard to, to be able to talk like this, you know, hey, Billy. Because <laughs> you can't do that on the, you know, when I, before, when I came on, they hated that man. They couldn't hear me. More voice. <laughs> the no, voice. The, the, I'm not doing it. I tell yeah. them, mic me. Mic me. I'm not doing it. So we can sit here and talk for the next half hour that you want me to talk louder and I'm telling you to mic me. I'm not doing it. That's what I, what happens sometimes. I'm not joking. But it's changed drastically now. I don't see now anybody having those conversations. It's like, but there's no time for oh, it. Nobody's having those conversations. <laughs> yeah. Well, one take. We're good. Moving on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait a second. I don't get a second take. <laughs> I mean, I think I shut everything on one take. The, the, the whole run of the show, I got one take. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. One take. It's absolutely crazy. I even a fight, even if I had a, I have fight scenes. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, somebody can get hurt here. We got to choreograph yeah. this thing, you know? Yeah. But we literally, I mean, I pull the, the actor on the side. You know, I've done a lot of fight stuff in, in my career and, and and really kind of work with the the actor. But literally when, when we got in front, it was five, four, three, two, one, and we did it. And it was literally one take. Which yeah. Mind-blowing. <laughs> you know, because, yeah. and it was an elaborate fight scene too. Yeah, I punched somebody once and it was horrible. <laughs> right in the fucking uh, jaw. Terrible. And yeah. he looked at me and goes, you hit me. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Looking back at your career, you know, what are you most proud of? I would say uh, state of mind. Mother. Because I'm not a, who, who, who's going to tell me I'm, I'm an interview guy? And, and can create a show that's going to help people and talk about mental. I mean, that's acting. I kind of, honestly, I wanted your career. That was my goal in life. I wanted to be the Al Pacino of movies. And I guess I've done that in soaps, but I want to do it in movies. That didn't happen for me. That, that dream now has ended obviously, which is fine. I'm cool with that. But I, I, I knew that I could, do this acting thing. I didn't know that I could do this other thing. Do you feel like getting put on a soap for that long has, has, has hindered your career or typecast you? Uh, yeah, look, it, it, you know, if you want a career in movies, you got to just pursue that. You stay on a soap as long as I am being as popular as I am, it's going to hurt you. Now, I have done enough jobs now in the last six years that I know that the grass ain't greener and I'm a lot older. So I'm cool. Not, I'd rather not do movies and stuff like that because it just says to me pressure, stress. Cause I'm on a new set and I'm working with another guy that I don't know. Um, I'm happy now, you know, daytime or general hospital is the best job in the world as a job. Not saying it's the, most creative or artistic or, but as a job, there's no better job. I get to work. 
I'm out in about six hours. I go home. I, tomorrow I work late. You know, it's, it's a great job. You know, I'll tell you so, a funny story. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. But, you know, I was, at, you know, when I was got cast on the show, you know, I got the school here. So it was like, I got to cancel my school. You know, I have I'm private sessions all day. I teach class. So I literally had to cancel to go do general hospitals, drive all the way to Hollywood. Right. And then, you know, when I auditioned for it, I auditioned for a meaty monologue, you know, three page scene. Right. And I was talking about the docs and stuff like that. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get to work with you know Maurice. I'm going to sign this. Sign, you know, I, there's a, you know, so that's where my mind was going with this thing, you know. Yeah. So, so when I, you know, I put myself on tape, I auditioned, I sent it over and, and, and you know, that's what it was a meaty thing. But I never saw that. I never got to shoot that when I got on the show. All of a sudden I was <laughs> like. I was like the, you know, Victor's henchman in the background standing around like a glorified extra a bunch of times. So I was like, literally, I was like, what am I doing here? You know, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not having fun. It's like, it's, it's stressful. You know, it was like, what am I doing here? But then I, then I, you know, I, I you know, there was a couple of days where I had, you know, they, they wrote me, you know, I had some scenes or, you know, I, I had some dialogue or whatever. And then I started having fun, you know? So, you know, it took a little while, but I started playing again and started having fun. After a couple of weeks went by, I started feeling more comfortable with the, the other actors and, you know, the the process of, you know, creating the show and knowing what it is. You just have to be super prepared. You know, you cannot exactly you cannot come on a show like that not prepared. If you don't know your lines, you know, the more prepared you, the more fun you're going to have, the more you're going to be able to play and free yourself up. If you're in your head going, what's my next line? You're dead, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if you're in your heart, you're smart. When you're in play and having fun and you made some choices and you're playing, that's where you want to be. But so working on the show, I, I realized that, you know, uh, I don't, and this is probably a spoiler, but I got a script and my script said that I, I get shot and I die. And I was like, hooray, I was happy. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm done with this shit. <laughs> That was, that was my first instincts, you know, but then there was another part of me that was sad, you know, that got sad because like, yeah, man, I got, I'm, now I'm, I'm, I got, I'm, I'm dead, you know? So I was like, kind of like, there was like, I was battling like both things. And then I got a rewrite the next day and my character didn't die. They brought on some other character and they shot him instead. And my character lives. And I thought that was kind of strange. I was like, why would they that's, do that? that? That's a trip. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and then they, then they wrote it where my character gets my ass. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't know, you know, so I was like, I was sad, you know, that I was off the show and then I was happy that I was back on it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what I was feeling, but there was a moment, a real surreal moment where I'm laying on the floor after I got my ass kicked and I'm laying on, and I'm looking at up all those lights. Right. And then there's all this commotion, but I'm playing dead, you know, like, you know, laying knocked out. Yeah. And, and I stopped and it was a surreal moment because I, I really realized where I was. I was like, Billy, the little Billy, this is the dream. This is what you dreamed of. And here you are on a set in Hollywood with all these lights and the cameras and all this stuff and stuntman and all this stuff going on that this is the dream. So in that moment, it was, I, it kind of filled me up like dream fulfilled mission accomplished, you know, Yeah. you know, and, have, and you have to figure out what's going to, what's going to get you to 
that next moving forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's all here, bro. It is. It is. And that's why I love what you're doing with your podcast. So, Thanks. you know, if anybody wants to find your podcast, whether they, they can find it, your YouTube channel is called MB Maurice Bernard State of Mind YouTube. Awesome. And your podcast is, is, is it only audio, a video or is it audio? Uh, it, it was podcast. It was video. It's all video, but it was podcast, but we're going to get back to it. Cool, man. I, I'm so proud of you. Thank I'm, you, my 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 only thing is I'm bummed out that me and you never got to play. You know, I mean, I know we've been I've been on the show 20 years ago and you were in a coffin. <laughs> that was the biggest yeah. scene. <laughs> and you know, when I coming on the show, I was like, ah, I get to play with them, and and I didn't, I never, I haven't gotten a chance to play. But mark my words, we're gonna play. We're gonna get a chance. <laughs> to play. I'm putting it out to the universe right now. Me and Danny Trejo. <laughs> Uh, it's so good to have you on the show, bro. Thank All you right, for taking bro. the time, man. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to my son, and we'll see what, what goes on there. Yes, anytime, man. You guys should come down to come down to the studio, and uh, and I'll help him however I can. Yeah, thank you, brother. It's my pleasure. All right, brother. Stay safe. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.